Good morning, Rock Bible Church. I don't know what I did wrong to Ashley, but I apologize. <laughs> no, that was fun. Hey, a uh, couple things. Uh, first, uh, men's Monday nights. We've been off for a bit. Tomorrow night we will be on again back in here. Uh, apologies to those who came last week and no one else was here. Um, I hope you had a good study. Um, so we'll be back on uh, tomorrow night for you guys that are here. Um, and then uh, today, membership class. I'm so excited. I get to teach twice again. You know, now that we do one service, only teach once. It's no fun. But when you have a membership class right after, you get to teach a second time. Uh, very excited. It's been a while since we've done it, and we're going to go through a couple, a uh, few things in uh, this week and then the two weeks to follow, uh, theology of the church, um, the covenant itself, history of the church. We're actually going to answer questions, kind of stump the band kind of thing, see if you can come up with a question. That would be fun. Um, I'm curious. Um, I'm buying lunch, sandwiches. Okay, I kind of want to get a general idea. Just show of hands. Maybe you're still negotiating with the boss. If you need a letter, a signed letter, I'll give it to your boss, whatever. But if you're, if you're going to be there today and you want to be in the free lunch count, show of hands. Okay, I, that's good. That's all I needed. All right, sweet. Several giants and we'll be good. Um, and... This is what we're doing. And they're in the back. This is a membership covenant, okay, for Rock Bible Church, um, which, by the way, the TV feed in the back is not on, but that would be wonderful if you guys could turn that on. Uh, this is a little thing that we work out our relationship. We decide we're going to play nice in the sandbox, and that's what we're going to go over the next three weeks, and I'm very excited about it. We did a lot of work on this. And I'm, I'm, I really like it, that document. Um, there's another one, The Theology of the Church. You'll get a copy of that. Um, and that one might be even more fun because I like the Bible better than the stuff that we come up with. Amen? Uh, so we'd love to be there and um, would love for you to uh, join in. Some people ask the question, you know, how do, I, how do I get into the church? Like, how do I be in the church? Um, how do I get to know people? Well, these are kind of the ways. You, you go to a chili cook-off. Come to a membership class. Um, find a place to serve. Uh, do bingo, right? Where's that? Can I see that bingo slide? Um, you know, as pastors, we have a quota of how many bad pastor jokes we have to get in or puns, all right? I was thinking about this. How do you be in? Go. Go, and you'll be in. Bingo. All right, there you go. All right. I do not apologize for that. But we will move on uh, to our passage. We're 1 Samuel chapter 6. Um, loved Brent last week, by the way. Uh, loved the video that we got to see from the winter camp and, and such. Um, that was awesome. Uh, and this week is going to be a little bit different. Um, because the Philistines have the ark. And we've been following what's been going on with uh, Hannah's son, Samuel. He's become a priest and he's finding his feet, his sea legs, if you will. Uh, and it's a, great, it's a great passage and book for us because we're all trying to find our spiritual sea legs as well. Yeah? So we're going to look at that um, right after we pray. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for what we get to sing, experience. Thanks for the opportunities you give each of us in our own ways, in our lives. Pray, Lord, that you would show us how to navigate those things. May we see how you help Samuel navigate, and may it be guidance and testimony to us that we might do the same thing. So I pray for your word in this time that you would bless them both and these people. Uh, the words that come from me, may they be yours. And may this time be uh, edifying, building up, 
of all the things you want. And so we do this in honor of you and your son, Jesus, and his finished work on the cross. Amen? Amen. First Samuel chapter 6, we're calling this Finding God's Hand, um, because this is one of those chapters where you're looking around and you're thinking, well, this is kind of a little of a rough story. It's a little weird. It kind of bounces someplace. Where's God's hand in it? Um, now, as every week, I cheated. I got the title from the passage. See if you can find out where God's hand shows up as we start reading. Here we go. Uh, verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 6. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. That's, uh, that's more than a cup of coffee, right? Why seven months? Do we need to know that? It was about half a year, right? They could have said that. Instead, they put the number seven in there. How long was the, was the ark gone in a place it was never meant to be? A perfect number of months. It was the perfect time. He had a perfect break or they missed him for a perfect, oh, I don't know. It says none of that. What it does say is, there, this is there's an implication that this might have been the right amount of time. Oh, you wanted a break from God? Well, let's, let's have you have a perfect break. And so this is, this is not necessarily a good perfect amount of time. Like sometimes, you know, how long was the surgery? I was four and a half hours with four surgeons. Man, that's a long time. That must have been terrible. Well, in some ways, yes, but they fixed me and my face works. So it was the perfect amount of time. That's kind of what's going on, right? By the way, references to me are a true story from 97. I'll tell that another time, all right? Uh, verse 2, and the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Hmm. Now, this little uh, fun tip for those of you who like to read your Bible at home, should be all of you, we'll be talking about that at membership class after. When they capitalize all four letters of Lord, it means absolutely nothing. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> right? 100 people surveys, top five answers on the board, not there. It's the official official name for him. Now, rather than go into all the Hebrew and stuff and explain that right now, let me ask you this question. How is it that the Philistines are using his real name? They recognize this guy, right? There's something obvious going on that even they get it, right? Tell us what we shall, uh, tell us with what we shall send it to its place, right? This is how you know it was written in Hebrew, because in English it just doesn't work, right? Tell us with what we shall send it to its place. Everybody, five times fast. Ready, go. Um, what are they trying to do? Get rid of it. Wrong. Get rid of it the right way. They just want to get rid of it. They don't need to talk to the diviners or the priests or anything. With what shall we send it? Like, is there a proper way to send this that belongs to the proper name of the Lord. What are these uncircumcised Philistines that we're going to see that phrase come up later, several chapters from now, when David comes on the scene and there's this massive giant, right? Why is it these uncircumcised Philistines are getting several things right? This is the Lord, Yahweh's ark. We will care for it as we let it go back the right way. Are, are they bordering on worship? Now, let's not say they were worshiping Yahweh. They weren't, but they're getting pretty close. They're using the right names, and they, they know there's some kind of proper protocol. Right Now, if you wanted to do that, you would go to a membership class and learn how do we do things and why. Oh, sorry. Too many commercials? I think not. Um, they said, if you send away the ark of God of Israel, do not send it empty. Don't send it back empty. We don't do empty. right? If you're going to send it back, 
there's a proper way. You better send it with something. But by all means, return him a guilt offering. I love this. Aside from the fact that him is lowercase, they should have capitalized him. Are they sending it back to Israelites? They are. But instead of saying it that way, they're sending him. They're sending it back to him. Who's him? Capitalize. They're, they're viewing this as a God experience, a, a negative one. Oh, oops, we have his box. How do we return it to him? What's, call UPS and find out what's first class for sending this back. I'm, I'm almost starting to like them. That feels weird. It's going to get weirder, okay? Um, don't send it back empty, which is great. Um, do, we, do we do empty as Christians with Christ? I will not offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing, right? Um, it's just empty's not funny. When I was young and first learning how to actually wrap and give presents at Christmas, I thought Christmas morning would be better if there were more boxes that were wrapped under the tree. As a young child, you have no money, which is why bingo is for everyone, because if bingo's just the youth, they won't raise anything, <laughs> right? Y'all adults need to show up or it's going to be a bust, right? So I, I wrapped all these gifts and I put nothing in them. And I thought, well, what do I do? <gasps> I know. I'll put each family member's name on a different box. Everybody will think they're getting an extra gift. How'd that go over? <laughs> they open these gifts, and after a while, after like the third, fourth person, oh, oh that's wrapped in the same paper. Scotty did it. There's nothing in it. I'm not even going to open it. This wasn't funny. It was a waste of time. Um, it's a goofy analogy for our relationship with the Lord. We don't wrap nothing and put it under the tree. We don't do empty. We bring him stuff. We offer him things. When we tithe, we tithe something. If we serve, we, we put our back into it. Um, if we show up, we try to come early, stay late, and stay the amount of time that needs to be done, right? Um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Amen? Um, re return it with a guilt offering. What kind of offering is that? It says right there, Scott, guilt. Guilty of what? You took the ark. A guilt offering when you went to the temple, well, it was something, right? Maybe it was two turtle doves, or maybe you were poorer and you just brought a little bit of grain. But other than the gift or the offering that goes onto the altar, what was it meant to make you remember? Beyond guilt, you remember your position before God. I mean, yeah, man, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I stole the box of crayons, and they didn't know, and I feel guilty, so here's my turtle dove. And you're to remember that, you know, you don't steal, and you violate another person, but when you walk into his temple and you offer a gift to him on his altar, you are acknowledging his position and Yours. His and yours somewhere below that. Yeah? Are the Philistines recognizing their position before? They sure are. I loved what Brent talked about last week from chapter 5 when they bring the ark into Dagon, uh, Dagon's little chapel and what happens to the, the statue of Dagon in front of the ark of God. Hey, God walks in and says, oh, cute statue. Uh, let me show you what happens to this. Head cut off, hands cut off, prostrate on the ground in a position as if it was worshiping the ark. That's funny, folks. And God has a great sense of humor in case you haven't been told. But I love what goes on here. It says, return to him, him, his position, our guilt offering. We remember our position before him. I mean, let me pat you on the back. Do you know when you walked in here and sat down and came to worship, you know you did the exact same thing? You're acknowledging your position and his position. What is that relationship? There's a lot of people 
who have failed to attend church today. Amen? And, and maybe they couldn't and they watched it on TV. Amen for that. Uh, but some people just, they don't go at all and they don't watch. They're failing to acknowledge the position. And that's rough because it only, it only goes one direction. Now, if they're getting his name right and they're delivering it properly and they're recognizing his position, shouldn't that go well for them even though they're Philistines? Okay, four of you are culturally appropriate. Just because they're Philistines doesn't mean they're bad, okay? Look, um, then you will be healed. Wow. Secular diviners and priests seem to think that secular people could be healed by Yahweh if they recognize their position and do what they're... This is almost sounding like salvation or gospel message, right? And it will be known to you, you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. Doug found it. Anybody else see it? There's a hand. Find it in his hand, right? They had figured out, they'd already found that God's hand's in this. Why has his hand ceased to turn from me? Now, his hand on them's been pretty bad. Do you remember last chapter? What did they get? Hey, congratulations, you got an ark. And not just an ark, you also get tumors and rats, right? They call them mice, but we know better. Tumors, rats, and mice. Oh, my. And they said, what is the guilt offering that we shall return to him? Again, probably should be capitalized there, him. What is this guilt offer? They said, five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the same plague was on all of you and all on your lords. Hey, um, every single one of you kings better recognize who's in charge of this ark and who's really... God. And so we want a offering from each of you. Okay? Um, for both of the things that they were suffering from. And it was all the Philistines, right? Verse 5. So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravaged the land. Can you imagine craft day in Sunday school that day? What you making? And the gift is not a tumor. I was, I, I'm pretty sure I had to use that line today. For, I mean, some of you don't. Um, and give glory to the God of Israel. Yeah, we're going to make offerings. We're going to make gold. And we're going to make images, and it feels weird or whatever. But what are we really doing? It says we're going to give glory to the God of Israel. Um, what's that called? Starts with W, ends with ship. They're worshiping? This should be an easy question. Who can worship? Everyone. Everyone? Even if they got tumors and infested with rats and they've broken all the rules and are guilty? Isn't that who's supposed to worship? It is. We're all broken. We all have skeletons in the closet, right? Now we're supposed to get better and work on it and in the process of sanctification, Scott, oh, yes, we'll be covering that in membership too. Um, but I love what uh, the, the missionary in India said when we were there, Brent and I. He said, I want, I want all the bad people. Now, I, I think something was lost in the translation. I said, you want the bad people? What do you mean? He said, you know, the people that are broken, the people that are sad, the people that are injured, the people that need healing, the people that are depressed... We're guilty. I, those are, I want the bad people. I think what he meant was he wanted the broken people. I said, okay, great. Why? They're the best ones. It's like, now I know why you're in charge here. Right? Love that guy. Um, perhaps he will lighten his... All right, there you go. Maybe Perhaps he will lighten his hand from off you and your gods and your land. Ooh, have they just kind of implied he's in charge of all those things? Right? Any, anybody ever wanted God's hand off of them a little bit? 
you know, God, could you could you back off a little? Uh, I'm pretty sure you might be in charge of what's going on right now. Could we can we dial it down a little bit? Is that a good prayer? Sure is. They're headed the right direction. Um, the great news is you could head the right direction too. Um, I'm becoming more and more a firm believer that God is in control of all things, the good and the bad. Does evil exist? Yes. My ability to engage it is more real than evil itself. And I need somebody who's in charge of it all and can control it. That the gates of hell can't even do anything about. Love that they acknowledge this. And they're secular. Um, he's going to lighten his hand. Why should you harden your hearts? Verse 6. Watch this. Watch this. This is great. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? How do they know this? They're, they're doing Jewish history. They know all the names. They know all the actions. They all know the stories. After he had dealt severely with them, did they not send the people away and they departed? Hey, who won? Do you guys remember who won that one he's saying? Remember this God of the ark, this God of Israel, this Yahweh? He's undefeated. Now then, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows in which there has never come a yoke and yoke the cows. To the cart but take their calves home away from them what's going on there that seems like a bunch of random scott well uh, cows that have never been yoked have no idea what they're doing let's take the calves away so they are less prone to wander towards their calves and you're going to yoke them for the very first time put a cart on it we're going to put the box on an air ark we're going to put the offerings in a sidecar and we're going to see what two oblivious cows do when they have no direction. Seems like extreme gambling. No, I, I mean, this could go very poorly, right? Uh, take the ark of the Lord, place it on the card, put a box at its side, the figures of gold, which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off and let it go its way and watch. If it goes up on the way to its own land, to Beth Shemesh, then, is he, uh, then it is he, capital, who has done us this great harm. Ooh, that's good theology right there. We're going to see if these cows who have no idea what to do or where to go, for no reason, go where they're supposed to go, how they're supposed to do it to the place they're supposed to be. Wow. Then you shall know, if not, then we shall know that it is not his, his hand that struck us. Do the Philistines believe that God's hand strikes? Sure does. They've learned it. <laughs> they, he, they think he struck Pharaoh. He struck Egypt. Um, they know he struck them because of the, uh, the rats and the tumors. Um, then we'll know that it was his hand that struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. Right? Now here's the problem with Philistines. And actually, this is worse for you. This is, it's worse because this is your problem. And they're long gone. There's nothing we can do about that. So you got the bigger problem because we can do something about this. All right? That word, coincidence. Do you know what it means? By chance. By chance. Anybody? That makes sense, right? We know what this word means. You don't have to say it out loud, but show me some hands. Let's, let's do the interactive portion of the morning. Right? We know what coincidence means. That means that there's an incident over here and an incident over here, and they, they co. They together happen. What was the word you said? By, by chance, these two incidents are happening, and this guy, chance, comes along and brings them together. And we say, oh, so 
random. Right? Here's the problem that you have. You know what that word means. Well, why is that a problem, Scott? The greater the vocabulary, the higher intelligence, and the more efficient we can be, and blah, 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 blah. No, here's the problem. That word fails to exist in God's economy. There's no such thing. Now, there's a word. We know what it is. But what the word represents doesn't exist. It's like a unicorn, right? What do you mean coincidence doesn't happen? I, when I met my spouse, we happened to be at the same camp at the same time, and we sat down next to each other, and it was such a coincidence. What's wrong with that? There was no chance involved. There was a guy, but his name wasn't Chance. Who made that happen? God makes all things happen, right? Some of them good. To those that are called according to his purpose. God doesn't do chance, okay? Now, if you need further study on this, there's a great theological work called um, the Born Identity Series where the one assistant girl says, oh, these agents, random? They don't do random. There's always an agenda. God always has an agenda. Let's, let's track backwards on this now. Anyone think that the ark ended up in the Philistine area accidentally? We have an all-powerful God, all-knowing God, ever-present. Could he have stopped that? Did he choose not to? Was there an agenda? Because who's learning about the ark and God now? Philistines. And who else is learning the hard way? Israel, because the ark's been gone the perfect amount of time. I'm a little bit weird, nerdy, and fun, hopefully. A little bit of energy. You can understand why this week, while I was studying, I came on that word, and I started laughing out loud. Not LOL, like a text. No, I literally started to chuckle. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This doesn't exist, and yet it's in the Bible. And we could do a teaching on this, right? Did I coincidentally come up on that word this week? I figured God wanted me to talk about it. Amen? All right. Don't, no more coincidence, okay? That might be the blessing at the end. And may you no longer have coincidence. Go with him, right? We'll see. Uh, the men did so, took two milk cows, yoked them in the cart, and shut up their calves at home. They put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box of the golden mice and the images of their tumors. And the cows went straight in the direction of Beth Shemesh. Bam, that's the sentence right there never been yoked before, have no idea what to do, and don't know where they're going. Where do they, what do they do? First thing, bam. Straight to the house. Beth means house. Beth Shemesh along one highway, lowing as they went. Lowing as they went. Huh. What's a, what's a cattle lowing? What is that? For those of us who are still learning cattle terminology, they're, they're mooing, right? I always thought it was called mooing. <laughs> I didn't realize it was called lowing. Um, if a cow was to worship on the way up to the Lord's house carrying his box, there's, there's a couple options. I'm thinking lowing was the best one. They turned neither to the right nor to the left. The lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. <laughs> We're not going back in there. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. When they lift up their eyes and saw the ark, they rejoiced to see it. Good response? Okay. The cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there. Hmm. There's some references there that we'll have to get into another time. We're out of, I think we're out of time. But Joshua, that's a name. It's... Jesus' name in Hebrew. Great stone was there. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. Uh, and they split up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. Good response? 
Mm-hmm. Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it in which the golden figures and set them upon the great stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh burnt, offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices on that day to the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned that day to Ekron. These are the golden tumors that the Philistine returned as a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, Gaza, Ascalon, Gath, and Ekron. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belong to the five lords, both fortified cities and unwalled cities. A great stone beside which they were laid or placed, the ark of the Lord, is a witness to this day in the field of Josh Beth Shemesh. Ooh, did it all work? I did. Sent it back. Now watch. We're going to move from the Philistines. We're going to move over to the Jews now. See how this goes. And he struck down some men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. Whoops. He struck 70 men of them. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. Do the Jews believe that God strikes? Right? We saw that with the Philistines. The word hand is not used in this paragraph here, but it's kind of assumed. I'm kind of thinking, how is it that 70 guys die in Beth Shemesh for looking at the ark the wrong way, and none of the Philistines died? None of them looked at the ark the wrong way? <clears throat> There's an implication there that the, even the Philistines knew. Mm, there's a way to look at this, and there's a way to not look at it. Get it right, because that's definitely when we find his hand. He struck 70 men. Verse 20, then the men of Beth Shemesh said, who is, who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? Great question. And to whom shall he go up away from us? He should be capitalized there too, I think. Um, and shouldn't that say, to whom shall the ark go up away from us? They're starting to get it. You know, a couple chapters ago, they got in trouble because they thought the ark was just the ark and that would help them win the war. They lost. Why? Because they forgot that God is in the ark and, and God is really more important. The ark's just a symbol. Sarah got it right. And they want to know how do we get him to go up away from us? Man, that's rough. Um, do you remember where the ark was before the Philistines got it? If I go, um, temple hasn't been built yet. Synagogue, high place, right? Go back a few chapters. I can't remember, Scott, where was it? Why? Because it never went back there. The ark where it was before the Philistines got it, after the Philistines return it, the ark never ever goes back there. You want me to leave, I'll leave. I'll believe you. And here the men of Beth Shemesh are asking the same thing. How do we get him to go away from us? Oh, wrong answer. See, the 70 guys got it wrong and the ones that lived are getting it wrong. Ouch. So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim. Were you curious? How do you said that? <laughs> Kiriath-Jerim. Saying the Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Saying the Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Shouldn't that say God came back? God returned himself. Right? So they get that wrong. Come down and take it up to you. What's going on here? They had a chance to get it, and did they get it? And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Yes and no. The Philistines got it. Is God's hand in this passage? It definitely is. It is a little bit obscure, for sure. How do we find it? Okay, because now here's the part where maybe we can give the, um, the Jews a little... Uh, 
little lesson, and, and maybe we can learn from the Philistines. Uh, if you were going to find God's hand, first thing you've got to do is, is you've got to follow the obvious. Follow the obvious. I know none of you ever ask a question, I just want to know what God's will is for my life right now. Where, where is his hand? What's he doing right now? How do I recognize it? Well, what's obvious? What's going on? Do you remember back in the last chapter? They get the ark and all of a sudden tumors start showing up and rats and mice. What, what's the obvious part of that? Well, let's see. We didn't have the box and we didn't have tumors and rodents. Then we got the box and showed up these tumors and rodents. I wonder if they go together. Right? Maybe it's a coincidence. <laughs> right? We, we have to stop asking the coincidence question and go with the obvious. Well, what's going on? Right? Obviously, the box is a, there. God must be in this. How about the obvious of history? Don't they give us, uh, Philistines give us history lesson of, of Egypt and Pharaoh? Isn't that obvious? And then they call the, the priests and the diviners and say, hey, how do we get this box over there the right way for Yahweh? The Yahweh right way. What's the history on that? The next time before you ask me, what does God want? What is God doing? Where's his hand? I want you to think, what obvious do I have from him that I can answer this question? What history do I have of him? What history do I have of me? What has my experience with him been that I might have a simple answer? Ackman's razor? You ever heard about Ackman's razor? Apparently, you don't even need shaving cream. You can just get a clean cut with the Ackman's. No? Scott, you seem to be laughing so hard. You must know what that means. Scott, could you help us? No? <laughs> Ackman's razor, it's a concept. The most simple answer is usually the right answer. The right answer is usually the most obvious answer. That's the short definition of it. You walk up, car window's broken, glass all over the place. There's rocks inside on the seat. And over there is a little boy named Scotty with a whole bunch of rocks in his hands. What happened? Somebody threw rocks at the car and Scotty. And he just picked up the rocks. That had to be it because Scotty would never do something like that. He's a good boy. No, Scotty broke the window. It's obvious. God says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. It's obvious. Confess your sins. Pray. Serve. The Spirit gives gifts. Do not forsake the assembly of the body as some are in the habit of doing. There are so many obvious out there. Try them. And then watch what his hand does. Now, at the risk of making you brag, can you remember times where you did the obvious right thing and his hand of blessing was on you? Don't brag. Maybe it's not your head. Was that meant to be an obvious lesson? Or are we still thinking it's coincidence? that chance brought together. We got to start recognizing that God does obvious. You can't explain it any other way. The whole ocean split apart and everybody went on dry land. And then when the bad guys showed up, 
all the water came back together. What, what was the lesson I was supposed to get from that again, Scott? Good is good. Bad is bad. God's in charge. There's your short lesson on the Red Sea, right? Um, so follow the obvious and you'll find God's hand. That can be good or bad, right? Because um, there's a whole negative side. Do not do this. Do not do that. There's 10 of them in Exodus chapter 20, by the way. And when you do those obvious that he says don't do or you should do, how's that go? That goes poorly, right? Second one, um, fail to obey. Oh, is that, was that the transition from Exodus 20 to second set of fill-ins? Fail to obey. And you'll find the Lord's hand. Is that funny, Robin? A little bit? Hi. So funny it hurts. Right? I asked you not to brag because you've had experiences where you did the obvious good thing and it went your way. Let's try the flip side. Have you ever done the obvious bad thing you knew you shouldn't do and you were told not to do and it went poorly and his hand of direction was upon you? Anybody else hate that? Anybody else hate that? No? Three of us? Okay. May his hand of direction be on the rest of you. Um, you fail to obey, you get in trouble. We see that with the Philistines knew it. Verse 6, uh, the uh, Israelites failed it. Verse 19. Last is this. Uh, fix an offering. Now, do we take turtle doves up to the altar and cut them open and drain them all over the altar? Do we, we do any of that anymore? No. Um, do we do confession before a priest as like an offering? Say no. Then the great question is, how do you do offering these days? You can confess directly to him, right? The veil of the temple was torn in half. Christ raised from the dead. So you have direct access to God. And he says we can pray to him that his Holy Spirit actually will translate our prayers for us because we're too dumb. I know that wasn't the nice way to say it. But we can talk to God and he listens. Ask anything in my name. What? He said you could move mountains if you said the right prayer. <gasps> what do you abstain from? On purpose, because he said. What do you do? Because he told you to do it. How much reasoning do you need? I feel like I've run into too many people who've needed reasoning and understanding in order to obey. You know, I've been looking for that verse through all 66 books, yet to find it, I think because it fails to exist. Even the wisest thoughts of man are but foolishness to God. We'll never understand fully. And that was never the game. We keep wanting a banana. And he keeps saying, no, it's an apple. No, it's got to be a banana. Yellow and oblong and bent and no, it's red and round. Still a fruit, but it's an apple. Which just doesn't make sense to me, God. Okay. I had a college coach for um, soccer, Jair Fori. He's the most beautiful Colombian man. Just loved him to death. Went back and coached with him as an assistant because I enjoyed my experience in him so much. Uh, but there were times where we did the wrong thing on the field because in college soccer there is right and wrong. It's kind of like theology. And when we would do the wrong thing, he would say, and I, I think it's a, some kind of idiom in Colombia that fails to translate, but he would say to us, Scotty, I asked for apple, you give me banana. I gotta go find some apples and bananas? What? 
No, it's like, it's like I wanted one thing, and you're trying to substitute it and do something else. The whole play in the game is going over here. Go get involved over here. You, you ran off and did something. You kicked the ball to where other people were. When I asked for an apple, give me an apple. But coach, I was thinking, no, 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 don't think. Read the game. Go with the game. That's when my soccer got better. When I stopped thinking so much. I wonder if your relationship with the Lord will be similar. It will if you go to membership class. <laughs> hey, um, before we close, I want to make sure we're clear. We love the Lord's hand. We love the Lord's hand. We love the Lord's hand, folks. Amen. It's the hand of blessing. But it's also like my daddy always said. With one hand, I can grab you and kiss you and love you and get things and give things. With the other hand, I can spank you. Pick which hand you want. You get to do that with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for uh, giving us choice in this loosely. I pray that you would show us how to pursue you and outside of the analogies and the words that we've looked at today, Lord, that we would have a, a deep, interactive, intense relationship with you. That you would continue to grow us and teach us, heal us, push us in directions that you want us to be, that we might do the work that you've called us to. May we seek your hand of blessing, Lord. May we seek your blessing, Lord. May we seek you, Lord. If you're here and you've never said that, I meant it for real, for life. What are you waiting for? Maybe that's your prayer today. I want to seek you, Lord, from now on. I thank you for your son and his finished work on the cross. And I love that that's a first step, Lord. Show me steps beyond that. I beg you for relationship today. Pray, Lord, for those that would make that commitment today and show us as a church, as a body, as believers as followers, how we can help them. I thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. Pray you use it to bless our church. And that no one would feel obligated to give, but see, this is something we do as a family. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen? Hey, little, real quick, as a, we're passing the offering plates, they're going to go ahead and get started. Um, in 2020, we had our best year financially. In 2021, we have our even better best year ever. In 2022, we forgot. And we, uh, we thought online was the way to go and the box in the back. And we stopped doing the offering plate. Oh, there's, we'll try it. We tried it. We're not trying it anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, our last financial report was not good. I won't get into it right now. Um, but we're going to start passing the offering plate again. Now, if you're an online person and you want to do it that way, you want to use the box, the box in the back will stay as well. Um, but we're going to be passing the plate again from now on. And we will need some ushers. Male and female, we need them. Young and old, we need them. If you'd like to help in any way with that in the future, uh, come talk to me or uh, Matt, Brent, any of the guys. All right? Shall we close in worship with communion? Jesus knows about hands. He knows about the hands that took him, that betrayed him. He knows about the hand of God's direction when he was headed to the cross. He took the bread and he broke it. And he had implied several ways 
um, I'm going to be torn down and brought back three days later. I use an analogy with the temple and the whole thing. But he knew where God was all the time. Whether God was in the temple or not, prior to the temple. Whether he's in a garden, betrayed and alone. He also knew where God would be on Easter Sunday when the stone was gone. And he said, remember this. Remember God's hand often. Now let me show you what it's like. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. He took the bread and he dipped it in the wine. Now he didn't have gluten-free in a cup in the form of a cracker. If you need gluten-free next to the bread on either side, there's a cup with some gluten-free crackers. Other than that, you're going to come up and you're going to participate and you're going to ask God, where's your hand for me right now? Lord, thank you for your son and his sacrifice and this sacrament of the church that we do in honor of you and him, that relationship, that covenant. May we strive for that in our own lives. Show us where your hand is, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on down. May you always know his hand. Go with him. Amen.